0: Recording straight out of 5 Scotland. Was that you stifling a the verb there? Uh, <laughs> I just heard that for like a wee second. <laughs> You're listening to films and swearing. I'm your host Stuart Sutherland, and join me, Magic Mike Christie. Yo. <laughs> I
1: felt
0: it coming on, eh? Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to episode 215. Um, it is IMDb season. This is our first. Uh, individual review episodes so things have changed since our last recording it is obviously as I just said there myself and Magic Mike Andy cannot make tonight's episode so uh, no rear window review I will be reviewing Hotel Rwanda Mike was unable to sort a copy of Inside Out so we went with a substitute Monty Python and the Holy Grail yeah, which also is on the IMDb, which was drawn from our IMDb list, so that'll cover in the meantime. Yeah. So yes, but before we get into all that, we could do a wee film quiz and have a look at these Super Bowl trailers. Just go. Share our reactions to the trailers. Yeah. So, um, I think. Yeah. They're there. Yes, and uh, Buttercup the budgie is here too. Okay. Last time, me and Andy drew four each and went one, like, toe-to-toe on each one, but it's in about ten minutes. So, mm. I think we'll just do Last Man Standing, yeah. see who's the, the first one to get it wrong. Yeah. Uh, which would you like to start with?
1: Um, surprise me.
0: Okay, I'm going to give you an animated one.
1: Alright. Yeah, that's one of my weaker.
0: Okay. Uh, in Bambi, what is the name of Bambi's Bunny Best Friend?
1: It's no thumper, is it? It's a thumper. There oh, you go.
0: Fuck off. You've survived. Right. I'll let you choose one for myself. Nah. Yeah, 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 I'll choose
1: some comedy. Fit in because it is this week. Okay. And Groundhog Day, what is the occupation of Bill Murray's character?
0: Oh shit. Man, I feel like he was like an insurance salesman.
1: That nah, is a weatherman.
0: A weatherman, of course. Oh well, you, you win the quiz of the week. <sighs> <laughs> I think why I thought insurance salesman. Were... that's a shame I should have actually fucking watched it
1: yeah because you had all day Saturday
0: exactly now did you see the next level thing that Sky did as well yeah they had it a... sci-fi channel
1: yeah they had it on the whole day
0: they had Groundhog's Day uh, on the comedy channel all day well, on the sci-fi channel they had Happy Death Day all day as well right. so was it was very clever of them like yeah. sure the Groundhog's Day was one thing but the fact that they went and done the same way Happy Death Day yeah was clever
1: it was I watched like they um, watch Mojo video clips and stuff and they were then to celebrate Groundhog Day and they release a uh, Happy Death Day to whatever it is aye to you yeah um, they released like the top 10 films to watch on Groundhog Day yeah and like, going through like some of the lists of the films were actually films that were quite interesting. Like is a there's a German film on the list called Run Lola Run.
0: Well I've heard of that.
1: And it's, it's like an eighty minute runtime the film has got to sort of be a pretty easy watch. Mm-hmm. And it's just basically she's got to get a certain amount of money in this time. Otherwise her like criminal boyfriends like killed and all that. And mm-hmm. it's just replaying after replaying it. Mm. And I mean like the even though the name the title of the video was like top 10 films to watch on Groundhog Day there was no surprise of what number one was. Yeah. But there was a few films on that list that I was interested to look at. Oh, aye. Oh aye. Well. I mean I've no watched Groundhog Day easily in 15 years.
0: Aye. Yeah. I think I've seen it in maybe like the last five years but yeah. I probably should have watched that on Saturday instead of Aquaman. Uh,
1: how was it? <laughs> it's
0: fine. It's just like an hour too long.
1: Yeah, a lot of people were saying that. The runtime time when it kills it. Mm-hmm.
0: Some of the action sequences are impressive, some of the comedy is funny, but oh yeah, fucker, it's a long one. Yeah. So.
1: And I mean, also with the news that we got that Avengers is running a clocking hours. in at three hours mm-hmm. minimum or whatever, that we could get an intermission
0: yeah aye and I think they need to just for the sake of the audience because yeah. there's like hardcore folk just holding their piss yeah at least that gives them a chance to yeah <laughs> I can I empty mean, the surely,
1: surely the intermission will occur just after something like monumental like happened yeah because I'm trying to remember the where the where the intermission took place on uh, Darknet Rises
0: oh yeah
1: Um. So it wasn't really anything monumental.
0: That no, no. Nah. I think whereas... just when it was on thirty-five mil, it was just because films that long you couldn't run it in one yeah. one take. You'd have to put turn the tower around and play the second reel. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't anything hugely significant. They, I do remember once uh, when I was volunteering at the like that local cinema, they showed a screening of the Swedish. Uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. All oh, right. So it was like that. Ni- Naomi nope. Rapace. Aye, aye. yeah. So it was her, uh, the dude for that film, I can't remember the Swedish actor's name. Uh, that was a, like a, possibly a three-hour film. So they had to do like an intermission in the middle. Now, they chose to have an intermission break right after a really graphic and intense sex scene between like, Naomi Rapace and this guy. And you yeah. pretty much saw absolutely everything on screen uh, where like I was standing outside with like an ice cream trolley thing and all I just hear was just fucking like scream like animalistic screaming shagging and then the lights come up and I'm like ice cream ice cream and <laughs> imagine all of them was fucking flustered red face yeah. say, cornetto sir <laughs> <laughs>
1: but aye and then obviously we've gotten a Hateful Eight yes and I mean it was quite a nice and the fact that you got that like that massive like horrifying monologue Mm -hmm. with Sam Jackson and uh, And
0: this huge conclusion and then and you needed like a minute like 10 minutes to go fucking hell in Florida to fucking start back with like Tarantino kind of welcoming you back in and it kind of catching you up and then what's happened in the last 10 minutes (laughs) it's like (laughs) what's it uh, after Major Marcus Warren has told tales of black dicks and white mouse. <laughs> just something fucking... Like, oh, he fucking loves these parts. You yeah. could tell he just loves to say like sick shit like that. So... But that'll ah, be interesting. So, obviously, speaking of Avengers, that was, the I, I believe, one of the first trailers that went on during the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, it was like the TV spot.
0: Yes. And oh god get sure it. yes I I showed you something new but they were just preparing for yeah for something and it was like it just okay that's new footage but it's just yeah nothing
1: yeah it's, it's, it's when you get the people that like systematically break down a 30 second clip and oh, give you like a three hour video yeah on every single bit of detail and like the, the best thing that I've seen all week was that shot of them like all in like, at the baseball in, like, the park or something at night time mm-hmm. and it's like it's like I'm sure it's like Bruce Banner um Cap mm-hmm. um Black Widow and all that yeah and then there's like a wee gap and then there's uh, Don Cheeto. yeah somebody's like Put boxes around them with the names and then put a box around the space and put the uh, Drax.
0: Oh, because he's invisible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a master of stealth.
1: Yeah, and I, I generally like that, that appealed to me.
0: Aye. Well, that's it. People think someone has been digitally removed from that trailer, so not one to give something away. Like, it it could be Iron Man, but that means he survives space and gets back to Earth somehow. So, honestly, it must be very tight lipped. It'll be very interesting like, if that shot's mm-hmm. in the trailer. You see them walking, and there is, like, a mystery character filling that space.
1: Yeah. But... It's April that comes out, eh? So, no far yeah, away. Nope,
0: because... Eh, less than a month away. Captain Marvel is March. Next month, eh? So, I would really... I do really want to know Captain Marvel's eh, inclusion to Avengers Endgame, because, also, she's not shown in any of the trailers, either.
1: Obviously, like, is the end of Captain Marvel going to kind of be... End, uh, it's got to relate war because obviously Nick Fury phones her. Mm-hmm. So we've got to see her like on the
0: receiving end of that phone call. Like even if something's happening, then just her fucking beeper's going off, yeah. and then the people around her turn to sand. Or it's a, a fucking like a year long con, and the beeper goes off, cuts to her, she goes to reach for it and turns to sand
1: that would be pretty good <laughs> like oh, oh,
0: you're the saving grace you can't fucking turn to dust
1: I mean before I see Captain Marvel I'll need to see Iron Man and the Wasp I've still not seen that yet because i to see where it fits in around Infinity War yes um, it's quite good it's
0: it's a fun film but the Infinity War connection is just one of the mid credit scenes at the end alright that's how it ties in so, as it all happens, there's no like a not a, a mention of any other Avengers or any other stuff. Which, I mean, it's fair enough. It's I it didn't need to be kind of laced with yeah. connections to the Avengers, but they quickly tie it in at the end. And some people kind of say it spoils the tone of the film because it's quite lighthearted, yeah. fun, high comedy type of deal. And then when Fox starts turning the sand, it's like oh bit much yeah. which I think is a bit of an overreaction really because you watch it going what's going to happen next what's going to happen next and if they never mentioned it you'd feel it was almost a cop out
1: yeah I'm, as well I'm kind of wondering trying to think where they're going to fit far from home into the whole chronological mm-hmm. order is that going to take place after end game or...
0: yeah Part of me thinks it's just Peter Parker goes on his European vacation, gets back home, and it's just like he's getting on the the bus to go to school, and you just see the floating ring in the sky. And that's like when he gets the call to jump off the school bus and be Spider Man. Spider Man? (laughs) Be Spider Man. I feel like just do it that way. So you, you could still have an adventure, be all the Spider Man stuff, and then get pulled into the fucking Infinity War. But, who knows. The, the Captain Marvel snippet never really showed much more. Just, again, a short ten seconds of, of her being this badass jet pilot fighting space chick firing lasers and yeah. one thing about Captain Marvel I'd like to know since we have a de-aged uh, Sam Jackson. Well, Nick Fury. Yeah. Will this be the movie where we see him lose his eye?
1: Yeah, because he's got both of them. Exactly. Like the boys uh, the always is, been rocking around. eye What patch. if it's all a con? And what if it's like a Snake Plissken deal where he's actually like got used to both his eyes? And it's just been an eye patch for just <laughs> like the mystique.
0: Possibly. I joked with Andy at the weekend saying. <laughs> in the trailers he talks about like, how do I know you're not like a scurril like a like a a skrill like whatever the alien race is and she fires like a laser beam and blows something up so what well, she just fucking pokes his eye yeah. <laughs> for like suggesting that like z- yeah.
1: ah yeah
0: bitch poked my motherfucking eye so I, I reckon I'm part of like will I go to the pictures to see it what Captain Marvel um I mean I feel like if there's an opportunity, it's like, oh, if I end up having an afternoon
1: to myself, which is near impossible, but... See, I noticed that the local cinema are doing, like, mid-afternoon like afternoon showings. Yes. Which is fucking good. But it's like
0: Oscar bait is what they're showing. Yeah. I think it was the favourite this week. And it could be... I don't know if it's Green Book next week or something, something in a similar vein. Yeah. But... Who knows... Uh, also, speaking of like, Super Bowl trailers and our local cinema, they're showing that uh, Alita the Battle Angel.
1: Yeah. Which is a
0: bold move.
1: I don't know. Like, the film doesn't really grab me. I mean, it's got Crystal Waltz in it as well. You yeah. would think, you know, it might be good. Uh, I it's Robert got, Rodriguez
0: um, directing.
1: Who is it? It's, is it no, Jennifer Connelly or something.
0: Possibly. From the... I recognise the bad guy. He was the villain for the first Deadpool movie.
1: British guy? Yeah. Ah. Oh, right. But
0: it, it's so fucking CGI heavy where it's just like their ah, faces on big CGI the bodies. Like, uh, it's,
1: it's kind of like uh, it's gone down the route of Avatar a wee bit. Yes,
0: it's like a live action anime because even she's got like those big eyes and, yeah. and it's probably going to be super violent. And here comes my son. What is going on? No, we're we're just getting started. We're just talking about the Super Bowl trailers. Yeah, I'm not going to show them to you though, because it's your bedtime. Hobson Shaw looks fun.
1: Yeah, it's it's very over the top. I mean, the one I got just it kind of feels like a not a Marvel film, but it kind of feels like a superhero film because yeah. of the Idris Elba's He's character. A- Aye. You
0: know? and he's very on the nose. Yeah, and he says
1: I'm the bad guy.
0: Starts battered, fuck, and he's getting injections like Dolph Lundgren and then Rocky Four. And... <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's got. It seems uh, to have like a good sense of humor to it. Yeah, and also the chemistry between Jason Statham and The Rock is quite good. Yeah, That's my feet touching that before I electrocute myself. Yeah, um, I did like the the use of that fucking song. Yeah, um,
1: the friends one. Yes, aye. Always reminds me of Luther M.
0: Yeah, so that was I, I. I would actually see maybe not going to pictures to see, it, but yeah, I'd wait when, for it to when it appears. I would happily spend an evening watching that. It would be yeah. some harmless fun. Um, Toy Story four looked to laugh.
1: Aye, you got the whole Keen Peel characters again, which yes, I think I think they're going to be fucking superb in it.
0: Aye, just feeling fucking like they're getting outranked by Buzz years, Oh no, you're not the high prize. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't say fuck you, but they started kicking yeah. his head, and then he just closes Traps the fuck his foot in the wee helmet. Aye, Aye. yeah, and does the film honestly looks like a good laugh? So Aye. I look forward to seeing that in summer. Um, Us looked it was some new footage but it didn't really give you any story elements alright uh, it just looks it
1: just looks really like unsettling intense, yes
0: yeah. I probably will go to try my best to see that in cinemas yeah because the, just the curiosity will fucking kill me yeah um Birds of Prey was like five seconds that was the the Harley Quinn spin-off movie Oh, what that that was like a flicker and if you break it down and freeze frame it, you see every character of the film. Hugh McGregor uh, playing Black Mask, half a dozen other folk, and then it's just Harley Quinn at the end blowing a kiss, and it says, see you soon.
1: Ah, uh, see when I watched that uh, video on YouTube, it never gave you that. It gave me Hobbs and Shaw Endgame um, Captain Marvel Toy Story. It gave us us, it Gave Wonder Park. Gave you Wonder Park, yeah. Um you got the Twilight Zone I know, thing I never saw that Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. and it looked I never really watched the Twilight Zone when mm-hmm. I was younger or that. So I'm kinda of intrigued to see if it's maybe a show that he's like an episode he's directing or whatever. Yeah. Um and you got that um scary stories. All right. right it's like Faye Guillermo del Toro but he's directing it yeah and that's it gave you like four or five trailers because it's all individual stories All right. one of the stories looked fucking frightening mhm like it's like a, a guy in like an, a long hallway and it goes to like red and it's like just this like pale like obese like dead woman like thing and it it's through really, really creepy yeah but I'm kind of wondering to see what to do with that
0: aye that'll be interesting but aye time to talk about some films
1: aye okay so
0: uh, going by rank I'll start uh, with Hotel Rwanda which ranks in it uh 199 in the top 250 the film is from director Terry George his IMDb top 4 uh, credits him as a writer primarily eh uh, Known for his work on Hotel Rwanda, In Name of the Father, which is a uh, Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. Uh, some Mother's Son, which is uh, like a Helen Mirren film, and The Shore. They all kind of have this, this similar theme of looking, like bleak and, probably just based on some something horrible. But yeah, I'm and, sure yeah.
1: in the name of the Father, something to do with like IRA. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it, but I've, is I've read about it.
0: Most recent credit, he did uh, write and direct the Promise from two thousand eighteen, and that starred Oscar Isaac, uh, Charlotte Le Bon, and Christian Bale. All right. I think I remember seeing the poster, but I never looked into really it at all. One of the ones
1: that kind of flew under the
0: radar. Yes. The film stars. So I'm just going to give you all the actor names because there's just so many names uh, we've got Don Chido Desmond Dobb, uh Hakeem K. Kazem Tony Cararogue uh, like I fucking these names uh, Neil McCarthy Kid Sith Hole Nick Nolte Fana Mokowina <laughs> uh, Sophie Ok Niado. Uh, David O'Hara Jacqueline Phoenix Cara Seymour and John Reno
1: that was a tongue yeah. twister
0: cast yes aye right. and I mean fucking Don Chiro's character's surname is Rosen Bagina aye right. so it's, it's it's I mean I'm, I'm
1: obviously slightly in the know but I'm no completely in the know but it's, it's a true story yeah yes is it
0: Right. Aye, uh, Paul Razubagina uh, was a hotel manager who housed over a thousand Tutsi uh, refugees during their struggle against the, the, the Hutu uh, militia in Rwanda. All
1: right.
0: So, aye, this was a first time watch for me. Yeah. It is, it's a, a fucking crazy film. I'm no surprised at all why it got so much attention back in its release in, I think, 2004? I think when it first came out. And no wonder, sure, it is sort of like your perfect mixture of Oscar bait slash absolute harrowing, true life story, and the fuck acting in the film were all fucking perfect. Yeah. So, like, this is probably the Don Chiro film. Right? Like, if you want to see the film where he acted his fucking heart out,
1: yeah.
0: Hotel Rwanda is the one. Like, no wonder he got. A best actor nomination.
1: Yeah, I uh, I don't think he actually got the award then.
0: Lost to Jamie Fox for Ray. Ah, uh, so another sort of biopic. Yeah, but his oh that was Ray Charles wasn't it? Yeah, I've never seen that yet. Nah, me either. But no, the it's it's one of these fucking films where it, it's I was it's hard to believe it's real but. It's, it's just because it's it's fucking East Africa. You're thinking, what the hell's going on there? Yeah. So this whole thing between, rather than just being all these citizens of Rwanda, there's like this underground sort of, at one point areas of Rwanda was uh, in control by Belgium and the people that were sort of adopted by the, the Belgians are now classed as uh, like the, the Hutu and the tutsi the only difference between these people like there's this unknown class where everyone's just the same but the, the hutu think above think of themselves higher than the tutsi people like refugees uh, but the Tutsis could be described by having wide noses and black skin or or light brown skin rather than black skin hmm. so that was the difference between the, the hutu and the tutsi so Whenever they see them, they would look down on them, and just because they'd have like a different shaped face, Aye. they would know. Oh well, he's clearly like a tootsie, and then they're therefore uh, like classified as cockroaches. So Aye. that's what they more or less tre- treated them like. Yeah. So. And the film starts. Obviously, they're under like a, they they're like an independent country. So it's a case of. You should all... Like, there is no Hutu and Tutsi. Everyone's the same. But there's still this underground, like... It's like racism. Like, there shouldn't be any. But there is. So, they still kind of discriminate to one another. And then, when the president's fucking killed, that's when it all kind of erupts. Like he, There's something like peace talks and everything's fine. And then his plane shot down. Yeah. So, that kind of kicks it all off. The, the Hutu militia start going around and start killing... Just all the tootsies they could find, like, going into the streets, burning down houses, slaughtering fucking women and children. Like, you hear some of, like, the, the Red Cross uh, foreign aid workers telling stories about children being lined up and beheaded, and they're all screaming for help. And you're just thinking, fucking hell, this is probably real. This is like These are probably, like, real stories. It never does the thing where how sometimes a film turns into like a documentary and it cuts a person in a room talking to the camera but it never goes that far. It no. st- it stays in its story.
1: Aye, well um like what's the, what was the roles that um like John Reynold and Nick Naughty played? Uh,
0: Nick Naughty is a UN um he was like the like the general in charge of the UN soldiers who are there to protect people but not I can't remember the phrase. They're not there to d- to defend people in the sense like when the militia show up and start shooting, they've not to retaliate. They've just stand there, stop them from entering the grounds of like the, the hotel that uh, Don Chiro's character works at. So they're just there to protect the people because it's all full of foreigners, all full of white people. So Honestly, they don't want them to get caught up and all this stuff with militia. Yeah. Um, so they're just the United Nations and they're just standing there with their hands behind their back. Nothing they can do. Uh, Jean Renault is the man in charge of the, the hotel chain. It's, uh, it, it's a fancy French name hotel and it's run by like a company called Sabina. Uh, I, the Sabina Airlines president. That's his title. Um, so he shows up maybe like two or three scenes and it's just times where Don Chiro character has to call him oh. and tell him what's going on. And... Um, because as soon as like the, the war started breaking out, the white guy in charge of the hotel handed his keys to Don Chido and was like, Cheerio! I'm <laughs> uh, fucking I'm, I'm, out of here. I'm
1: no fucking wanting
0: of this. Exactly. So, uh, Jacqueline Phoenix also is in this film, and which I was surprised to kind of see all these faces pop up because primarily you just think it's Don Chido and a bunch of folk, but Jacqueline yeah. Phoenix is like a a cameraman for, like, a... I think it was, like, BBC. Mm. So they're there shooting some normal footage within hotel grounds, but he sneaks out to kind of see what's happening. And the footage shows you, like, them going about with machetes, massacring massacring people in the street, like, dragging people out of their houses and then just chopping them up. Uh. So they kind of show you all that footage and they're just... Like, they're just like, this is fucked up. And in response to that footage... The, the United Nations kind of freak out and put a call in to evacuate the people
1: uh.
0: and so you've got Don Chido's Carter, his family uh, his neighbours, everyone in the street all kind of got in a minivan and left with him, came to the hotel grounds then they turned on a whole bunch of refugees and when they're all there together and the United Nations showed up to evacuate people, the twist is they come out and they just, they're there to evacuate the white people like the, the, the all the soldiers show up and all the refugees refugees are like ecstatic. Everyone everyone for the hotel. The refugees all run up to the soldiers So <clears throat> soldiers and like kinda of hug and kiss them and they're all like high five and everyone's partying and you just see Nick Naughty going up to like the general talking and Nick Naughty's fucking shouting and screaming, takes his hat off, throws it on the ground, picks up and fucking stamps off and Don Chido kinda of watches it he doesn't think what to do, so he follows him to, like, the bar, starts offering him scotch, and just, just asks him, you must be so happy, and the thing is, Don Cheeto like, kind of does this perfect, like, African accent, and, uh, like, the whole gesture where he's all kind of really calm and reserved, yeah. like, you could just imagine him if he was, like, just African-born, and been there all his days, whereas, you see him as, like, a fucking Cockney geezer, in, like, the, the Oceans movies, and, so it's funny just to see how he'd fucking eat like the his range of acting. Yeah. But Nick Naughty reveals is it, like, these are dirt to the United Nations. They're only interested in evacuating white people. Anyone with brown skin, we're not picking them up. And you're like, fucking hell. Like it's such a fucking harsh blow. Where uh. they, they just see all the foreign like all the foreigners in the hotels and shipped away and like even like the priests and nuns and they're all trying to help the orphans, so they have to leave all these orphans finds. So there's all these orphan children. Jacqueline Phoenix is at fucking tears. He's so fucking, sh- like, he's ashamed of his country, like, the United Nations, for, for choosing to do this. And he's just trying to, like, hand all his money and his possessions over to the people just to apologise for it. And as he's leaving, like, there's all these folk for the hotels and they're just opening umbrellas for him, just being really good, night like, servants. And he's like, Denny, he? Please, I feel bad enough the fact that they're leaving you behind and taking me away and he was it was just like such a short role for him but you could just see how his character was devastated to be in that situation like he wanted nothing to do with the fact that they're just dedicated to, to the white people yeah was
1: um, was that a long run time or
0: two hours and one minute that's alright yeah that's it, it was a quick film it durable it didn't slow down nah it was there's always something going on like, when we're talking about who kind of steals the film, sure, it, it's Don Chido. Don Ciro is fucking, like, magnificent in this film. But there's an equally fucking sinister character in this film where there's one of the... One of his staff. Like, when it falls down to... Like, ownership falls down to him. He still has, like, a staff of maybe 30, 50 people that run the hotel. So you've got all your kitchen staff, all the porters. And then there's, like, this one boy that works in the reception... And on the first day, when like the manager leaves, Don Cheeto's left in charge. He goes, this this boy in reception takes like the the president's suite. Yeah. And he's like, eh, where's Gregory? And he's like, he's in, he's upstairs. He's he's taking that suite for himself. And he's like, what? Because right. it's just like they've just moved all the refugees in. They've got like one room with like ten orphan children, and they're just families and families all crammed into all these rooms of hotels. And he goes up there and he fucking chaps on the door and all of a sudden he's in like the fucking the presidential bathrobe. He's got a, like a lassie with big tits running about in the background that he's obviously gonna have a wee chase around with and he's like, Like, Gregory, what are you doing here? You need to be downstairs helping and he's like, No, I think I'm gonna stay up here And he's like, What? You don't make any sense And it more or less says to him that he he feels himself as part of like the, the Hutu militia. And the fact that he knows his hotel is full of cockroaches, if you got onto the, one of the phones to his Hutu Pals and lets yeah. them know that this place is full of cockroaches, that's bad news for you. Mm. And Don Ciro, that's it, he can't do anything. He kind of folds, lets them kind of have that, that presidential suite. Yeah. And there's no until later in the film where one of the aren't... Because he gets like this recurring guest uh, played by... Uh, Fana uh, Mokoina, who is like, General... <laughs> right, yeah. So he he's a guy that shows up every once in a while and gets a few bottles of whiskey, bottles of beer for his soldiers, and then he could help Don cheat out, make some problems go away. And there was a point where he shows up in the middle of the film saying, there's not much we can do for you. And... They say, well, what about these guys? And they say, well, what? And they point at Gregory. And he's saying, he looks like he's on his fucking holidays. He's like in a Hawaiian shirt, shorts, lassies, and a bikini. And they're just sitting by the pool. And he's like, who's this man? And he's like, oh, he's Gregory. He's our staff. Like, he's your staff? i like, yes. And he kind of explains to them that he's blackmailing him. Hmm. And he's like, all right. And he walks over and fucking slaps the drink out of his hand. He's like, what you doing, boy? And just starts fucking slapping the shit at him. Next thing you know, he's back in his uniform behind the desk. <laughs> like as if it's never happened, mm-hmm. but he has this cruel twist later on where he eventually rats out the refugees right. to the militia, and you're absolutely you're wanting to fucking shout at the telly, you're just wanting that boy to get his comeuppance <clears throat> because, like the last half hour of the film, the hotel is being fucking ransacked by the militia, and the generals are trying to get uh, Don Chiro out the road. Like even his family's being left behind in all this chaos. But it's just getting that bad where they're running through the corridors pen and in, and they're all running about with machetes to fucking start chopping people up. And you're thinking, fucking hell, this is, it's not like they're finding other militia. It's refugees. It's just women and children and families. They're all, like, none of them's armed. Yeah. It's fucked up. But <laughs> I laughed at the start because obviously the militia is not really well armed themselves. They're running about with machetes and the first guy that comes out to threaten Nick Nolte's a UN soldiers they throw the helmet at him and it's a UN helmet that's covered in blood and that guy just runs out and he's just got like a black and decker drill in his hand just goes and then jumps in the back of a fucking lorry and fucks off the rest are all swinging machetes not one of them's got a gun but that guy's just got like a cordless drill <laughs> it's like okay part of me's was thinking did he fucking drill the, like the, that somebody drill through somebody's helmet because that would be brutal
1: yeah um, I mean it's not really a, a film I'd ever think I'd probably watch but I'm kind of like, intrigued by it now.
0: Ah it is, it's one of those things that I'd always recommend folk to watch it once like if per chance it's streaming yeah. and you have two hours to spare. It, it's really good, it's, it's it's just like most sort of true story movies where yeah. you can't say it, it's entertaining Aye. because it's just not right, it's just a true story so it, it's The only way I feel I can describe these films is just crying them harrowing. Yeah. But there is some horrible things happen in the movie, but it's one of those ones where it kind of ends and nothing horrific happens to your main cast of characters. Yeah. So it's not like his wife gets beheaded in front of... beheaded in front of him. Nothing, like, really terrible like that. But at Uh, the end, it does talk about how he managed... and it's like your normal true story film at the end where it goes black and just, like, white card, like, text comes up really saying true. Paul, uh, like Raju Begina managed to house, a uh, like, 1,200 people in his hotel, saving them from the militia and then talk about how I think it's hundreds of thousands of people, like, 70% of the population were killed during all of this. That was going on and, like, generals were arrested for war crimes and uh, things like that, but and that's it.
1: It uh, since, <clears throat> actually seems like a film I'd probably actually watch, mm-hmm. so I'll keep an
0: eye on it. Totally, aye, it is. If it ever appears streaming, I would totally take the time out to watch it. Yeah. And it was, because I reckon I never watched it before, because I just imagined it would be a really depressing thing to watch, because I just imagine. Seeing all these fucking people killed in the streets, and you're like, man, that's just gotta be depressing. But through doing this, I was glad I just got the chance to see it. Yeah. It was a really good film.
1: Has it got a high rewatchability factor, or is it? See, probably no. Like,
0: right? because there, there's other
1: ones that you've seen it in that side. Yes, you, I'm you glad. You would recommend it.
0: Exactly. Like, totally, like, you could recommend it to people to watch it, but it's no something like that, fuck it, it's Friday, let's go watch. Like it's the end of a week. Let's just chill out, watch Hotel Rwanda. Ah, uh, because something is <laughs> so, really that's, that's
1: so like bleak and somber, and I like exactly. What a way to end your week? Of. But I, that's it.
0: You you can see why it garnered so much attention during Oscar season.
1: I like you saying it's Oscar bit, it?
0: Yep, got nom. It was three nominations. So it was Don cheeto for Best Actor, his wife for Best Actress. And the director for best screenplay.
1: And number one,
0: any three? <laughs> no, it was losing out to the likes of Million Dollar Baby, Ray. It was the little
1: crash that was big in the Oscars that year—that that Paul Haggis. It might be pretty a sure Don yeah. was in that film as well.
0: Because mm-hmm. all the ones that I seen was winning was the majority was Million Dollar Baby, Aye. And and uh, Ray, so. Okay, so it doesn't show me the production budget here, but I could swear I saw it earlier today and it was a, a budget of... It was between 16 and $17 million. All right. Which obviously is quite reserved for 2004. Yeah. But uh, its worldwide box office was $33.8 million. So wasn't
1: it wasn't really a...
0: No, it wasn't. Passive, it. it didn't like... set the world on fire, but... I mean, it it was released in maybe like, between December and February, so...
1: Oh, so that's the worst kind of time to put a film out, unless it's... Uh, I always uh, feel that, like, see if you put a film out during Christmas time, if it's like a cartoon or a family film. Exactly. That's where you get to go.
0: Yes. Aye. So, for this, it was 23 million domestic and uh, 10 million uh, in the foreign market, so... That is that. No one I mean, have...
1: at least they made his money back.
0: Oh, totally. Let's hop on IMDb and we will read what the very first trivia note is. Tell Rwanda.
1: The way they spell it, it's a R-W-A-N-D-A.
0: It's not like R-A-W. No, no, because that's how I kept spelling it that way to begin with. Ah, right. Okay, the real Paul uh, Razu Bagina and Tatiana Razubegina, his wife, uh, returned to Rwanda with the director, George, sorry, Terry George, for research. Many people come to welcome him at the airport.
1: I mean, I suppose if you are going to make a film based on like, stuff like that, it'd be good to have like, the insights, uh, the folk that loved it, you know?
0: Exactly. Like, that's what they're saying, the real Paul Razubegina met with Don Ciro, which... Yeah, you would... Ah, you would expect for them to do something like that. They would. If he was available, that fact, he was a, a real person, like, definitely, like, you have to meet that person. Uh, <laughs> there you go. April 2010. Then UK Prime Minister Gordon Brown admitted that the film had made him cry.
1: Ah. Soppy bollocks.
0: <laughs> and Cuba Gooden Jr. declined a leading role.
1: Mm. mind you, yeah.
0: he's kind of done his fair share of
1: like dramatic roles. Eh? Mm-hmm. Jerry, Jerry Maguire. Was
0: it? Was it Men, Men of Honor
1: was it Robert De Niro? Was that like the... That's it. The, the the
0: diving one?
1: Ah yeah, it's about the yeah.
0: Navy. ah exactly race race things again ah, a bit.
1: I've never seen it, but
0: it was a good one. Um, but yeah, that's it. Hotel Rwanda. Uh, I gave you the budget, box office, and trivia, so that was the full BBT, so it is now time to hand it over to you, cool. for your review of Monty Python and the Holy Grail.
1: Yeah. So, <clears throat> Monty Python and the Holy Grail was directed in 1974, I'm sure it's 75, but some folks say it's 4, I think when... On Netflix, it was like 75, it says, I'm sure, on mm-hmm. IMDb, it says 74. Okay. But it was directed by Terry Gilliam and Terry Jones. Obviously, mm-hmm. they were creators behind Monty Python. Right. Uh, like a total massive fucking thing in the 70s. Exactly. Um, and I didn't write down the cast because I had to fucking take it's, a screenshot.
0: Yeah, it's insane. I've, I've noticed the cast list. Um, or the character list, I it's should say. The
1: character list. Um, where is it? I'd take two of them. So we've got uh, Graham Chapman as King Arthur Voice of God Middlehead and Hickoffing Guard John Cleese as Second Swallow Savvy Guard The Black Knight Peasant 3 Sir Lancelot the Brave Taunton French Guard and Tim the Enchanter You've got Eric Idle as Dead Collector Peasant 1 Sir Robin the Not Not Quite So Brave as Sir Lancelot First Swamp Castle Guard Concord Roger the Shrubber and Brother Maynard and uh, you've got Terry Gilliam as Patsy Green Knight Old Man for Scene 24 Sir Bors Animator Gorilla Hand and you've got Terry Jones as Dennis's Mother Sir, Sir Bedivere Left Head Prince Herbert Voice of Carton Scribe <laughs> and you've got Michael Palin as First Swallow Savvy Guard Dennis Peasant 2 Right Head Sir Galahad the Pure narrator King of Swamp Castle brother Maynard's brother leader of the knight who says Nick <laughs> yeah yeah and you've got Connie Booth as a witch yes I was <laughs> I mean, when I was watching it, it was a, it's been a long time easily been about 15 years since I've seen the film all the way through I kind of forgot that they played like multiple roles in it exactly and I'm like that looks like fucking um, and then I went and looked at it on my notes, and I was like yeah that explains it um so the um, the plot to Monty Python and the Holy mm-hmm. Grail is King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table search for the Holy Grail with outlandish results. <laughs> and
0: Mike, was this your first time watching
1: it? Nah. It's my first time in probably about fifteen years. So it's kinda of, kinda of like classes on like, properly as like a like you watch it kinda of when you when you're younger you kinda of miss a lot of the Laugh things. at the
0: funny bit the obvious funny bits. Yeah.
1: And I mean like I think the first note I put down was like the earliest memory. I, I think it was me and you watched it, and I, I always remember the the Black Knight. Oh, the
0: merely a flesh wounds. Yeah, and yes. I think
1: that just like set us of the edge. No, totally. And the, I think that was like growing up. That was like the main thing you remember for that film.
0: Aye, was that also the one with the the fucking crazy rabbit as well? Yeah, I just looked at you. Just see it fly across the screen. Aye bite a dude's yeah. neck yeah yeah because I remember I think it was my dad had introduced me to it like he was always speaking about these films so I eventually bought them for him on DVD mm. so I remember there being like a Saturday afternoon where I was like right we're watching this and I was like this is fucking bonkers this is daft these are this ah. is just silly but there's things like, things you just learn to appreciate just yeah. the, the the fucking balls these men had or the fucking uh what the Little like hole, the the clout the the, they had to get away with this stuff?
1: Yeah.
0: So what would what would have been your earliest memories of the film with that? Maybe what you said there ah, between was, and
1: yeah, was me and you. Yeah, it's me like, and you. I think when we seen the the fight between the Black Knight and that, yeah. and like I was like that's the only thing that I remember like watching that when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So like when I watched it, it was kind of like a breath of fresh air. And ah. I kind of remember bits that I didn't. And was bits I've completely, like, were almost, like, new to me that I found myself fucking dying with laughter this Aye. afternoon watching it.
0: I feel I need to, like, watch it again because I haven't seen it yeah. in so fucking long.
1: And I mean, like, like, well, in the notes I put in as well, like, filming it must have been an absolute fucking riot.
0: Oh, if it was shot on Sink Island, I imagine everyone fucking struggling to yeah. keep quiet on set. i,
1: I kind of wondering, like, like, the trivia wasn't working on fucking IMDb and... I kind of like wonder if um how much of the film was like ad libbed.
0: I feel something like that probably would be. <laughs> yeah. Imagine 'cause Imagine because Monty Python's kind of it was always like sort of like a sketch comedy. I never seen uh, the television series. Nah, I never seen the TV show. It was always just the films but I'd imagine it was some sort of because it was real Holy Grail
1: Life of Brian yep. and
0: there was a third one.
1: Oh uh, yeah. Monty... Oh no. Right, I'll have to search it. And I'm sure, I uh, because like, Life of Brian's on Netflix as well. So I i have not seen that one. That's about um, that goes back to like Bible, like the Bible era and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to see what it's like. <laughs> Life of Brian and oh man, that's completely away from me. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, they have a. At... Several. and They've got uh, and now for something completely different. And seventy-one, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Seventy-five, Monty Python's Life of Brian. Seventy-nine, Monty Python Live at the Hollywood Bowl. Eighty-two, Monty Python's The Meaning of Life.
1: Eighty-three. That's it, The Meaning of Life.
0: And uh, Monty Python Live. Brackets. Mostly, two
1: thousand fourteen. Ah, uh, yeah. Because I remember they've done a
0: a tour, and I think one of them was dead. So that's why it's live mostly. Yeah. One of them's died, so... I am
1: going back and watching it, I think it maybe would have been good to go and see it. Oh, just aye. Just to see what it'd be like, because like, there wouldn't have been like a, a sane person in the room after it. Like.
0: Exactly. So, uh, like, my memories of this film are just all little vague clips, because now in my head I can just see people with co- uh, coconuts just going...
1: Yeah, I... am. Um, that bit I laughed at, and I, I, still, I still laugh at it, I was thinking that every scene you see them they're supposed to be on horses and coconuts I never ever ever once picked up that when I was younger yeah because it's like right at the start you see them and all that and like because they're all doing the trot yeah and they're all like they're all like they're statures kind of like they're actually riding horses Aye. and it's just some guy behind them with like coconuts like doing the wee...
0: Aye. and then and it's
1: when they get to the castle
0: I can't mind if they make any offhand comments about it where like is it what, what's he doing with the coconuts and like where's your horses and like Budget cuts. Aye, <laughs> and um, then like, they clever talk like that. about
1: um. Was they talk about um, like the, the found the coconuts, and mm. they're like, but they're tropical, <laughs> and then they they try and get away with saying that they migrated and all that, <laughs> and the guy in the top of the castle is no fucking having it. Aye, it's that's just fucking outlandish.
0: Aye, I I could. It's so weird. I, I know so many little things about the film, but I could not tell you the story of the film.
1: Ah, so it's basically, obviously, like, King Arthur and his knights at the room table, they kind of form together, mm-hmm. um, and they just basically go and search through the Holy Grail. No, is this a film where they actually find the Holy Grail? Is it like Indiana Jones,
0: where it's a little wooden cup, or...?
1: Um, well, they're like, it's like like the, like once they're all together, they kind of go their separate ways, mm. and you get told each story. Yeah. And there's a a story where I think it's Michael Palin's character I'm sure it's him and the, um, he's like fucking fighting through like the fucking like the dirt and the mud and all that mm-hmm. and he just all of a sudden sees like like the symbol of the Holy Grail at this church mm-hmm. and he's like oh yes <laughs> and he's chapping the door and it's bucketing in the rain and this like, woman lets him in and takes him to like this like Basically, this area where there's like tons and tons and tons of women, mm-hmm. and basically the, the women have like, it's like you treat it like a bat signal, right? And um, obviously they're like, "Hey, yeah, like, well, because of that, like, they now have to be punished." <laughs> and um, the punishment is you have to, like, it's just to bend over you and you have to spank her, and then you have to spank all of them, and then you have to spank me, and then you have to do whatever you please. And at that point, like the rest of his fucking crew show up, and they're basically saying that he was in like great peril, and he's like, "No, no, 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 believe me, I'm fine. I, I can fight off the peril." And they're like, "Women are like, it's like, yeah, please, please fight off the peril, please." <laughs> and i and like, "They're like, but you can't because it's perilous," and it's just ah uh, that, but it was just such a riot because like all the women are like, trying to like, fight him off him you know, and all that, and he's like, obviously just a guy looking in, his nuts with like, fucking like, 60 odd women. It's, exactly. Like, it's like, you're surrounded by 150, so what, I'll survive. Aye. <laughs> it's, it's worth like, a stab. <laughs> give, give me a shot. Aye. I'll go
0: down swinging.
1: <laughs> but obviously like, before, like before all that happens, you, you get like, like the, the great iconic fucking, Black Knight. Yes. Scene. And, and it's like, obviously it's, the violence in it is played for laughs Mm -hmm. and it's just like like somebody with like a like a hose basically with like like red paint or something Yeah, and it's obviously like fucking takes his arm off and all that and it's just it's a bit where he takes like two legs off him and it's just like a torso yeah a torso with no arms and no legs and he's like come back here you bastard I'll bite your fucking legs (laughs) Uh, uh, ah
0: such a good film now with the this because, obviously, there's, it's got a great cast of characters. Is there a a standout person, yeah, like a particular um,
1: favourite? In my opinion, I think John Cleese mm-hmm. still was at funny for one of his stories. It's, um, it's, I think they call it, I think they call it scene 24. Right. And it's where the guy is basically going to be getting married. Like, it's a, a forced wedding sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, obviously fucking, like, he's not a fan of The Bride, I think. And he's, like, he takes like an arrow on and he's like writing like notes. He takes an arrow and he fires out the window. And I mean like he just looks over he's like that and he just pulls it. And it looks like it just goes straight down. And ah. then it cuts to like, the next scene where um, John Cleese and Eric Idle. Eric Idle's like his right hand man sort of thing. Oh aye. And he's just like like galloping away with coconuts <laughs> it. and he gets hit by the arrow like just out of your it makes like, the sound effect like Jung! And he's like <laughs> I'm hit, sir, <laughs> and he like falls down, and then he like reads the the note, and it's like, "Help! I'm being trapped in a like I'm being trapped in a castle, like the whole damsel in distress, and being like forced to go out like an unwanted marriage." Aye, and like John is like, oh, "I'll save you," and then like like um, Eric Idle's kind of like, "I'm fine, though, sir. I'm fine." He's like, "No, no." He's like, "He's like you're mortally wounded, <laughs> so I'll just leave you here." No, no, I'm fine, sir. But then like he goes away like fucking to the area, and he's like. It cuts and like they're getting ready the for the wedding and everything, eh? and like the brides getting all fucking dressed up and stuff. And it shows you two guards at the castle door. And it's like it cuts to one guard and another guard, and then it's like a scene where you see like uh, John Cleese running like from the like woods. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts back to the guard, then the guard, and then it's the same recurring clip. because there's no getting any further. <laughs> and then a day later, two or three times more mm-hmm. and then the next time like John Cleese just shows up out of nowhere and stabs the guard <laughs> and then runs in and starts massacring everybody at this wedding party <laughs> I'll save you <laughs> and he's fucking running up the stairs and all that and the, the guy's like oh you saved me you saved me and he gets like the rope and all that oh it's, a, it's such a fucking riot oh, like aye. The, the guy's dad comes in it's like you've, you've like stabbed like, the bride's dad and all that and it's like oh right sorry <laughs> and then also when the dad finds out that he's um, like, Lance a lot for Camelot, mm-hmm. like, oh, I think, oh, yes, I'm in there. Mm-hmm. But oh, John Cleese was fucking brilliant in it, and like, he had like a few good roles. He played um, Tim the, oh, what do I call him again? Ah, Tim the Enchanter. Right. That's where you get the whole bunny thing. It's like oh, I. Tim the Enchanter has got um, like that's like Scottish accent sort of thing to mm-hmm. him, and he's. Talking about the Holy Grail and that, and he's like, When you go down this mountain here, and he's looking, he's like, Ah, oh, do you see that devil beast down there? <laughs> and you're like, Then they're like, they're like, Where? And he's like, There, and there's a wee bunny rabbit comes out, and it's like, <laughs> It's a fucking rabbit, mate. He's like, Nah, it's a fucking winged eagle, man. He's like, I fucking murders you. He's like, It's a fucking force of evil. And like, just, guy's like, Oh, I'll go and do it. And it's just all of a sudden, I, I totally wasn't even expecting it, and the rabbit like just like it's obviously it's like a is it like a puppet on a string or something isn't it? aye because it seems like it's flying it just aye it's a straight angle
0: people... right to the guy's neck yeah does it have like this thing where they all have like a shocked reaction yeah when they see the fucking viciousness of the rabbit
1: aye because they um, obviously one of them goes and then they decide, decide oh fuck it if we all go it can't get us all at once aye. but obviously they're they're tear through them and then you get the the decide to call upon the holy hand grenade. Oh, why? And um, which obviously that was that was in Worms, eh? Aye, I it always was mind like, it for Worms. One of the wetlands, eh?
0: Yeah, but it was also like referenced in Ready Player One. I remember the the main character buying a holy hand grenade, ah, and he eventually used yeah, it, yeah. uh, like towards the end, of, like that big battle they had and i was always expecting it to have like the hallelujah sound effect that you get for worms yeah but i'm thinking it might now be more of a reference to monty python rather than worms Uh, i'm fucking forgetting the kid's name but so it would make a lot more sense because was always they're obsessed with like 70s and 80s like films and pop culture so of course it'd probably a, a monty python reference
1: yeah, and I mean, like because like the film's like a parody and all that. Mm-hmm. Like the narrator, and if the narrator like kind of rambles on, it just cuts like a crowd of like, like forty like, showing like get on and stuff. Yeah. And then you get like a you get like a, you get like an intermission. Aye. And it's just like a seventies up tempo kind of music with like the wavy screen and stuff. Yeah. And then it cuts back.
0: I, I don't imagine this is a film that's got like a real predominant soundtrack.
1: no I mean mm-hmm. it's also like, I'm trying to think I'm trying to think how to how to like <clears throat> say like how how to like like how to like explain the kind of
0: Did it have like a sort of like a stereotypical medieval fantasy soundtrack I, almost.
1: Yeah, like whenever like they showed up to like save the day and stuff. hmm Um but also because of, I'm assuming because of like a budget and that I mean they does not really have to rely on like any music. I didn't really need it.
0: Nah. Um would you say there's is there any down points to the film? Would you say any negatives? Um
1: The ending just kinda of comes out of nowhere. Right. And I mean like you didn't even get like any like end credits or anything. It's just, I reckon if that's just because it's like a parody itself, but um like the um also it shows you like them going to like this Castle to get the holy grail. Yeah. And like just as a ready attack, like two police cars appear out of nowhere. Uh-huh. And, and like arrest them and put them in the back of a van right? and then the screen cuts to black and it kind of gives you this feel where was it a medieval film or was it a just acting
0: uh-huh. it's like have we just been punked <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean obviously I imagine a film like this could be rewatchable or easily rewatchable.
1: Ah, no, I mean it's 90 minutes
0: no, that's fine
1: 90 minutes and I mean like some of the some of the jokes and some of the like iconic like references and scenes and all are, yeah. are always kinda of funny. Like I'd happily sit and watch that John Cleese story like mm-hmm. er and there again.
0: Aye. Well, that's it. It seems like it could be one of these films that you could easily revisit every couple of years. Yeah. So and I feel we're kinda I know it has such a giant following, but I feel we were like we were like the wrong generation for it. Like it already kinda of passed. By the time yeah. we arrived and started watching films, it was I always kind of th- think of oh, like Monty Python as a sort of like a uh, comedy that my dad likes.
1: Mm.
0: It was always kind of his thing. He, um, he really must, have... because well, that was it. Monty Python was probably a huge thing when he was like a teenager, uh, or maybe like in his early twenties. So, uh,
1: cause I because mean, like, mainly my dad and I was like like heavy in it because that's kind of what. There was Late seventies, early eighties The TV, TV series
0: stuff. was it not like the Monty Python's Flying Circus. Circus? Yeah, aye. So I imagine they probably saw all that shit like when it was on like on TV. So, yeah. and the uh, same with all the fucking films. Like, like, I wouldn't have been surprised if you even saw them in cinemas.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I kind of wonder like like who had the idea to come up with in like a, a
0: series of films.
1: Yeah, and especially like tackling like like King Arthur and all that or. Um, I can't mind what the fucking life of Brian one is about.
0: It was just about, I think it was just Jesus, wasn't it? It was aye. like, because I always just remember the part of that film was when they're all crucified at the end, singing Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. <laughs> which always seems to be the song that plays at the end of every Iron Maiden concert you go to. Ah. Aye.
1: Yes, always
0: look, aye.
1: But I mean, it would have been like a film, it would have been like one of the first films that kind of like have like, Characters playing a minimum at like four characters. Yes. Yeah. It,
0: it is like a feature length sketch show almost.
1: Yeah. I mean, it probably that's probably why it would have been a cheaper alternative to getting other folk.
0: Exactly. And your cast is kind of cut in half because it's just like, well, fuck it, let's just put a wig on Eric. And then he could be him and say, alright, let's just fucking dress John up as a woman. Yeah. Because it works on two sides. It saves them having to get another person, and it's probably fucking funny to look at.
1: Yeah. Because well, obviously, so you get like, I'm sure there's, like, nowadays when you see people like, in films where, like, actors will play, like, more than one role, if the two of them show up on the same screen, like, the same shot together, yeah. Like, one of them obviously is real, but one of them's no. I kind of wonder how they went about doing this. Yeah. Like on this one,
0: Ah, because there is, is there scenes where it's sort of like multiple yeah, say John is. Cleese's,
1: aye, there's, um, but I think you, I think you don't actually see them in the one single You're camera shot, like over be, the shoulder be diff- of one, different diff- camera cuts, yes. So like when you see, um,
0: so it, it's dead fucking obvious, but it probably played for laughs. Aye,
1: but I think there is definitely one scene where you see two Eric Ayles, like one of them is like reading like a, a scroll of some sort. And he's got like grey hair and stuff. hmm And I think like the Oh what's his card? Robin. Mm-hmm. Um he's like in the same shot as well, but kinda like at a distance. Yeah. So, so I mean that yeah. could be maybe just somebody. Nah. Like, stunt double or something. Aye. Body doubles and just they'll know the camera tricks. Yeah. hmm I kinda want to see what the T V show's about aye, aye. Well, I mean it's a sketch show so it's not like you're going to have to follow a story or that
0: exactly it's just going to be a bunch of random fucking sketches and I always mind like that big foot coming down and crushing I think it's just the end of maybe the opening credits but yeah mm-hmm. now it's the time to move on to the BBT do you have any notes?
1: ah uh, so the um, the budget for Monty Python was 400,000 alright now I was of surprised because I actually thought that it would it would have been a bit less. Mm-hmm. But I suppose like sets and I mean it was like obviously filmed like entirely like outside and stuff, like it wasn't yeah. like any like indoor sets or anything. Mm-hmm. Um but um I couldn't get like a, a a breakdown of like a um domestic or a a foreign one. So it came up with like mm-hmm. a box office that it made think worldwide it made five million so it made it made its money back like five oh, times over. So I mean I think that's probably what helped keep them making like Life of Brian and
0: Exactly. Proving like it'd be a box office success. Yeah. Well, that's said, they would have had like a fan following from the get go, especially the television series. Yeah. It probably would have been guaranteed that they made some money at the box office.
1: Yeah. Um Trevor got two Tribal notes here um, well it's not that really much a tribal note because if you watch the opening credits and it comes to like the last kind of the last bit it tells you that it was like filmed like entirely in Scotland right and that uh, like they used like certain areas of Scotland like, it had like a lot of like, like wood like would like type areas and stuff mm. Um, funds from Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon went towards production right It's fun because the cast and crew were big fans of, like, Pink Floyd and all that. Mm -hmm. So, money that that album made helped...
0: Produce the movie. Yeah. Well, I remember last week on the podcast, me and Andy did the movie quiz, and one of the questions was, which member of the Beatles helped produce the Monty Python movie? And it was George Harrison. So, maybe the Beatles also had... Hmm. Or maybe just George Harrison put money into the project as well. Yeah. It might be that, or it might be Life of Brian, but Andy was fucking fuming when I got that one, right? Uh. It was a complete fucking shot in the dark, like, George Harris. He's like, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine it.
1: Aye, uh, because he'd, be, he'd probably called you, like, the Rain Man.
0: Oh, aye, aye, because, like, it's the last Beetle. You'd, you'd think all the others first yeah. before you think George Harris. Or is it George Harrison? George Harrison. Aye. See, I can't even fucking get his name right now. So, uh, that was your trivia. So, thank you.
1: And that's it, eh? That's
0: it. Okay. Uh, Amazon one-star reviews. Obviously, I always encourage you to go to filmsandswearing.com and do your Amazon shopping through our website. It's a great way to, to get your Amazon shopping and support us because we get a little commission from your shopping sale. So, to kind of highlight this, rather than just making this a shameless plug, we have our one-star reviews. I have one for Hotel Rwanda, and I will look one up for Life of Brian. Let's see.
1: You mean Holy Grail?
0: Sorry, yes, Holy Grail. Now, I've got a screen cap here, because there, there was only two for Hotel Rwanda.
1: Maybe, yes, one of them was something that was ir- like irrelevant for the bomb.
0: Okay, let's see. Okay, the first, first review, scratched, unwatchable, so skip that. Uh, so, it really just won one-star review. And it's from uh, Patricia. One-star review, December 2014. My husband bought this, hates it. No commas, that's just one sentence.
1: Did he buy it because he hated it, or was that a blind buy?
0: Exactly. Husband bought this, hates it.
1: Oh, that's just stupid, like...
0: Aye. So, I was like, why... What was he expecting from it? I don't know, because it's not the. Arica it's, it's two thousand fourteen, so it's not like you could be in dupe dupe thinking maybe it's like the, was it the, the best exotic Marigot hotel, uh-huh. and then he says Hotel Rwanda. It's oh maybe that's yeah. another heartfelt comedy.
1: Or the Grand Budapest.
0: Exactly, I hear it's got Nick Naughty in it. And <laughs> he goes and say, "This is not what I wanted." Hmm. So, and then let's have a wee fucking quick look for. The Holy Grail on Amazon.
1: Surely there's none, considering that films like, like these are films that are in like the top, like two fifty IMDb and that you would think they would, but then again, people are dumb.
0: (laughs) Aye, and the Holy Grail. Let's see. Okay, two hundred ninety three reviews. How many one star? Four percent are one star. So, eleven. Uh, brittle disk skip, uh, good Monty Python, very clever, revolutionary comedy, but aged. Uh, my Monty Python is one, th- is one of those things that you either love or hate. It's very clever and revolutionary in its time. Its influence is everywhere, and I like a lot of stuff from that team, the team influence. But I find myself almost bored. Uh, another one. Just not my cup of tea. Too daft to laugh
1: at. I mean, it's like, it's like, like, type of comedy and stuff, it's like, almost like satire. Eh?
0: Mm-hmm. And, well, it's mostly is uh, best comedy film ever made. Blu-ray, is truly awful. Uh, I thought I would enjoy this, but, obviously, over the years, my taste has changed. Also, my friends did not like it. Purile and childish were some of the comments.
1: Nice
0: puerile first of all if one of your pals uses the word puerile to describe a film get out get, yeah. your, get your coat and get out you shouldn't be fucking watching Monty Python if you're using words like that so that is the rage inducing one star reviews for this week next time on the Films and Swear and Movie Podcast we are doing a group review of Prisoners from Denise Villeneuve yeah Uh, Uh, Villeneuve. I can
1: never pronounce his fucking second name. Yeah.
0: And I feel like that's like our first introduction to that director. I can't remember any of his work prior to it, but Uh, that seems to be his earliest. Uh, Yeah,
1: 2013. uh.
0: mm -hmm. That is ranked uh, 209 on the top 250. Other than that, follow us on social media. Also, Prisoners is on Netflix if you want to watch it ahead of time. It is the one that stars Jake Gyllenhaal and... Huge Jackman. Jackman, isn't it? Yeah. Aye. So, yes. You can follow us on social media at FAS Podcast. That works for Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, fuck off and tune in next week.